0: This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. This is Fresh FM, your community access radio station. Broadcasting across the Top of the South, in Nelson, Tasman on 104.8, Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, Blenheim on 88.9 and the Nelson CBD on 107.2. And streaming to the planet through our website freshfm.net. Welcome to our show, Heads Up, brought to you by the Brain Injury Association, Top of the South with help from the Neurological Foundation, playing Thursday mornings following the BBC News at 9am. Special mention to our fantastic sponsors, The Nelson Clinic, and of course, Fresh FM, for making this show happen.
1: Alright guys, my name's Emma, I work at the Brain Injury Association Top of the South. Um, I'm just here to have a wee chat about Heads Up, our show that we have here on Fresh FM. Um, It has historically been running for quite some time, however uh, the format of the show is changing. So our fantastic Peter Berland, who is one of our long-standing members um, at the Brain Injury Association, will be hosting the show and sharing with you all uh, the Brain Injury Support Group whereabouts every month, how to contact us and what's coming up the following week. Pete has been involved in this show for many years and is super passionate about helping people and and inform those living with brain injury. We're very excited to announce the Neurological Foundation will be collaborating with us on the show and providing some amazing content. We'll have interviews with renowned doctors and scientists and information and education. A little bit about the Neurological Foundation, if you're unaware, uh, is a New Zealand charity that funds vital research and ongoing education into neurological conditions, which includes diseases and disorders of the brain, spine, and nerves. The foundation's sole focus is to work towards the treatment, management, and prevention of the neurological conditions by funding research and education. One in five New Zealanders suffers from a neurological condition. A little bit around the Brain Injury Association and what we do is we provide advocacy for people, support, information and education to the top of the South. We help people navigate the health system after having a brain injury, which can be really hard work. Uh, we also have a membership and support groups that we run weekly. These are a great way for people to keep socialising and just to have support. You do not have to have a brain injury to come to these support groups. You can also have, be a family member living alongside brain injury because you also need some support too.
0: Both the Brain Injury Association and the Neurological Foundation are not-for-profits and need your ongoing support to continue help people in our community. Head to these websites if you wish to donate braininjury.nz or neurological.org.nz
2: Hello everyone and welcome to our next segment thanks to the Brain Injury Awareness Top of the South as per usual it's Kelly Bain here from the Neurological Foundation and with me today we're going to have a wee bit of a chat with Dr Louise Bicknell Now Louise studies rare genetic conditions particularly ones that cause problems in children's growth and development um, she won't like me saying this but I think she's a bit of a rock star um, She repatriated back to Otago from the University of Edinburgh It was 2015 with a Rutherford Discovery Fellowship um, And was thereafter supported by an inaugural HRC Consolidator Grant So welcome Louise Thanks Kelly, that's thanks quite, for That's quite alright Now you've just joined the Department of Biochemistry as a senior lecturer too, haven't you?
3: Yes, I have. Yes, so before now, I was supported through grants to keep pay my salary and pay for my research and my research team. But now the university supports me, so now it means I do more than just my research. I do teaching uh, as well, how which do is really you, great.
2: Yes, how do you fit that in?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's an ongoing battle. But um, you know, it's not a it's not a nine to five job for sure. No. But, um, and I think because. I've had this period of doing research, um, of focusing just on research for so long mm. that actually that passion is really hard to kind of dial down when you've got other commitments.
2: Well, so. we don't want you to, so that's great. <laughs> you <laughs> you know, just I might need to myself. clone yourself or have <laughs> yeah, no sleep. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, I said that you um, you know study rare disorders, genetics. So there's a A whole heap of research centres as well that you work with. Can you kind of lead us through where you started and how you got to where you got to, I think, because I don't think a lot of people will truly understand what contribution, which is very valuable, that you and your lab do make. Yeah,
3: sure. So I guess I've always been really... Um, in awe of the power of the DNA that we have in our bodies and, you know, that it's passed down when we have children and things. How if you have alterations in that, how that can impact how you can, your bodies grow and develop. Mm-hmm. And that just a small spelling mistake in that, in that DNA, just some of the severe consequences that can have to people, especially children. And so that's always been a passion to be able to, and the disorders that I study are so rare, um, that I'm kind of, we focus more on the one in a million type conditions. So, you know, there's articles just in the paper where it's the only child in New Zealand that might have that condition. That's often what we focus on.
2: And so how how do you find out about that child or that person? How does that come yeah, to you?
3: Yeah. yeah, so it's a great question. So we work really closely with the clinical genetics hubs um, that are part of the DHBs and, you know, the hospital system. And so they will... Uh, they see a lot of patients and if it's a more obvious or a known diagnosis they'll get that diagnosis through that service but often they get to a point and they say well we don't know what the what the cause might be mm. and that's when they turn to research and often they'll get in touch with me and say would you be interested in studying this family and trying to help this family
2: <coughs> okay sorry cutting in there no, so
3: and then they'll consent into our study and we uh, we get dna samples from mm. just a blood sample and then we can start to do our research.
2: So, what is your study? If people are wanting, you know, asking if they can be part of it, what is it? Is
3: it? Yeah. A- so we we're, we're particularly interested in disorders that affect how children's brains develop uh, and how they grow. So, um, in terms of their body size, are they growing too tall? Are they not growing tall enough? Yeah, and how is that brain developing? And often, and often, we started about thinking about brain size because we're interested in some of the kind of the biology that underpins all of that. Mm. So how is the child's brain growing appropriately? And often it's that they're smaller than they should be and that can impact their development. But now we've kind of got a bit more broad and any sort of disorder that might affect um, their neural development, their brain development. So things like autism and um, intellectual disability, mm. children with those sorts of issues, we're really interested in helping.
2: Okay, Um, but also, as you touched on, the the rare disorders, because I know that you've been able to help families um, and say, hey, yes, we can name this. Like, you've been struggling for many years, but we can name this. That's right. There's only 38 or whatever there is. You'll probably be able to give me the better stats. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's right. So, you know, often... Our research always is centered around, you know, that one family that we might be focusing on at that moment. When we find something, because they're likely the only family in Zealand to have that alteration, you know, it's very much a global effort. So we have great linkages internationally, um, and so we can try and find other families that might have the same spelling mistake and start to build the evidence and know that here we've actually got a real disorder that just hasn't been observed before.
2: Okay. Um So to simplify all that, because we've talked a few sentences, which there's a lot to there's a lot to take in. Um, you identify genetic mutations that cause growth or de- like melan- you know, d- developmental disorders, um, and then with that, you f- try and find out exactly what that mutation is doing inside the person's cell that creates that condition. Is that if I kind yes. of got it in a yes.
3: Yes, because we all have differences in our DNA. You know, that's mm. what makes us different. But just because we find a mutation or find a spelling mistake, it doesn't mean that we need to ha- build up evidence to say that is actually the change that's causing this condition. Okay. You know, and there's different ways we can do that, and they all kind of work together. So one way is to find more families. If we f- keep seeing the same spelling mistake and it's causing the same problems in different children, that gives us confidence, yes, this is what's causing it. But then the other side of that is actually understanding it's yes, within the cells and the biology of what's going on to go. It's definitely that spelling mistake that is causing these things to go wrong, and that's then impacting their brain development.
2: Um, are you able to give us an example, like oh, without, of course, naming any names? We know we won't want to. We want to remain, you know, yes, privacy. Yes, but yes, can you yes, walk yes, us yes, through yes. an example?
3: So there's a, um, a we, a, so a family from New Zealand, um, a young girl so she'll um, be kind of late childhood now and we found a spelling mistake so she's got very her brain is dramatically reduced in size. it's really severe she's unfortunately really um, severely intellectually disabled um, and her, you know her quality of life wouldn't be great mm. um and so we found a spelling mistake that was present in her that had written new it wasn't in her parents and that's often quite a strong indicator that right maybe this is causing some kind of problem but it was um, um, in a part of our DNA that hadn't really been studied very well before, and certainly hadn't been linked to anything important for brain development. So, but there's some um, websites we can use. I refer to them as dating sites for this, where we can link up with um, other international groups, and we can start to see if anyone else has found the same change in the same part of the genome. Mm-hmm. And now, thanks to that, we're up to about seven or eight families from seven or eight different countries. It's all around, so it's a global effort. But all of these children have exactly the same spelling mistake. So you think there's three billion litres in our genome. So they've all got the exact same letter that's been changed. Right. And they've all got the severe reduction in how their brain is growing. And
2: a so how do you research the other people we've spoken to on these segments and a lot of people, a lot of the researchers and scientists that I speak to, um, they are working on cells, either skin cells, which I never quite get my head around it, but they can turn into brain cells or um, people that have donated their brain after passing, you know, passing away you're not doing any of that, of course. These people are, you know, living and breathing, and yeah,
3: yes, yeah. So sometimes we can get skin cells from our patients, and we don't turn them into brain cells, but we can use them they still have the spelling mistake as well, right? So there's still certain things we can try and test to see if we can see what's the consequences of that spelling mistake. Yes, even though it may have been as a skin cell rather than a brain cell,
2: yeah, it's still got that spelling mistake. Okay. Um, Otherwise, we rely
3: on cells that have been more commercially developed, Mm -hmm. and we can use some tools to try and put the mutation in, put the spelling mistake into those cells, and then measure kind of what changes happen when we put those in.
2: And how long does that take? That sounds really labour intensive. (laughs) (laughs) How long? It's a piece of (laughs) string. Right, yeah, well, exactly.
3: Yeah, Yeah. and so this example that um, I was just mentioning before, that um, we've been you know, finding these families over the last couple of years, but actually it's, we've got this lovely genetic evidence that's really strong for, from our point of view, that's mm. definitely the answer for these families. But then finding out, understanding what's going wrong, that's been the tricky part. So it's already been two to three years of work and we're not that much further ahead than when we started, to be honest. We've mm. had lots of kind of dead ends of, nope, that doesn't seem to be the problem or this isn't. And so we just have to kind of put our thinking caps on and explore different ways um, when we're starting to think about using um, perhaps some animal models that might better um, capture the developmental processes, that maybe that's, right. that's when the, the effect is happening rather than just the static um, cells growing in the lab, just to try and get some clues as to what actually what is that mechanism,
2: what's going wrong mm. to cause this, this mm. consequence. Okay, but so it, it can take
3: quite a long time, yeah.
2: So is, it does. It, it actually makes my mind boggle you know, it, 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 the many layers of what you have to do. And, I mean, every re- bit of research is important and every bit of research hopefully helps the next step for somebody. But I think, in particular, yours, you've actually got a face to who you're looking f- out for.
3: You know, it's That's very right.
2: personal. It is, it is. And we're acutely aware of that, that, you
3: know, in some... Because we, we operate in the research environment rather than, say, in a clinical environment, the families, I'm sure, know that we're probably on to something because of our skin cells and our for information. Yes. But actually, the information we've found so far, it can't be used
2: clinically until we've kind of finished the study. Yes. It's been, it's, it's
3: been through a peer review process. It's been published in a science journal. That, that actually other scientists agree, yes, your evidence all lines up, it all stacks up, mm-hmm. this is all true, you know, we, we believe all of your science. So, a you're, you're trying to work as quickly as you can because you, you want to be able to help the families, but it's still a very long process.
2: Of course, so as well as that is what's happening in your lab, what else is kind of going on for, um, so, in the lab? Because yeah. there's eight people in your lab?
3: There's eight, but it's growing. So we're going to be 10 by the end of the year. So it's quite a big team to look after. Um, Fantastic people. It's quite a big team to kind of keep everyone, everything jiggled. So we have a couple of people kind of working on those sorts of projects. Um, There's another syndrome that we study, that we've studied for a long time, and it's most of the genes that cause that syndrome. It's called um, Neogorland syndrome, and it's where children are a bit smaller at birth. Um, They actually grow okay. They just do not catch up but they have really small ears, and they don't have kneecaps, and it's a really bizarre collection of features. Um,
2: no real, real connection, problem. I would I would have, there's no real connection.
3: Not really, and that's what's puzzling us that's and what we want to look into. I guess kneecaps and ears, it's kind of cartilage when you think about it, so there is, yes. like, I guess, the, the tissue that kind of makes it all, there's some connection, but it's still a bit, bit odd. But then the, what we're also trying to do is think about these spelling mistakes we find are so powerful because, it, as I said, it could be one letter out of three billion mm. and the effects can be really dramatic. So is there a way that we can use that knowledge um, for something totally different? And so because we think often about syndromes or uh, children that aren't growing so well, you know, the, the opposite of not growing so well is growing too well, which is kind of like a cancer situation.
2: Right, yes.
3: So actually, we're starting to think, could, if you have a spelling mistake in these genes, is actually your risk of getting cancer lower because you've already got something saying, nope, things aren't going to grow as well as they should.
2: Right, right. You
3: know, so actually, can we find genetic markers that might help inform if you've got a slightly decreased risk of cancer
2: mm.
3: by thinking about some of these spelling mistakes, knowing what they, what they already cause in some people? That we can
2: see that rate-limiting step in growth. Right. So Maya Gorlin, which I'll just spell for everyone now, and correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> Louise, it's M-E-I-E-R-G-O-R-L-I-N syndrome, yes, if anyone right, wants yeah. to Google that and have a bit more of a look at it. But I think there's about 80 patients known worldwide, is that? Worldwide, yes. Yep, and two, yes, so two or three in New Zealand? Yes, yeah, that's right, yes. So we would have
3: helped. Um, find, uh, if not for them directly, so there has been some New Zealand patients when we first found some of the genes involved in our research, Mm -hmm. but now we found the genes that they would give answers into, so where their spelling mistakes are.
2: Thanks to our
3: research now, it's straightforward
2: for most of them. So those, the parents of those two or three children, um, you're able to say, yes, we've confident this is the syndrome that your child has and actually we're also able to tell you because we've got a community of around 80 people globally they will live into their 30s you know you're able to give them hope
3: that's right that's right and that's a real it's not just giving an answer because we're very aware for a family yes they want an answer but the very next question is okay we know that's the answer but what's going to happen next to my child yes and so that's yeah. We can build up these communities or these big groups of patients. Then we can give the information. So yes, they're going to be into adulthood. No, there's nothing extra than that perhaps needs to be monitored through extra doctor's appointments. You know that there aren't, or yes, actually they might develop some kind of. Um, there might be some issues with their heart. Let's keep an eye on that. You know, you have regular doctor's yes. appointment. So before it gets too far down that track, something can be done about it. So. It's a, gathering that information and that knowledge to
2: be able to help the families know mm, the future mm. looks like. It's you know, just important. Really important. And I think as well, probably a little bit disheartening for you too, because as much as you find out, there's still so many questions. That,
3: yes, yeah, absolutely. And it's tricky because these are often, these spelling mistakes are happening so early in development. So it's often when the mother's still pregnant so that some of the problems are starting to happen in the baby. It makes... Therapy and thinking about treatments, or exploring what we can do to help these people, it makes it really difficult. You know, the, the time window is a difficult one to be able to address through without yes,
2: treatment. Yeah, um, and I suppose we're talking about children not really realizing the depth of how much your child is not making those milestones until right. a bit further on but down right. the track.
3: Yeah, yeah, and then that's when you know. It's starting to get almost. It could be too late to be able to, to help in a
2: major mm. way, um, you, or you might limit any further deterioration, but it may not risk yes. anything. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. and this is pro- this is not in your wheelhouse, so don't feel you need to answer. But um, so, do you, you know? When someone is born in New Zealand, we don't do any genetic testing to get a no. a library on you know information no, on we don't. them. They no, do in other countries, do do they? they
3: uh, they just, they might use some more advanced genetic technology for some of the screening of some right. of the more common diseases that um, New Zealand, that doesn't happen. They use, such a, New Zealand uses kind of older technologies. Right. Um, there's some studies starting, like in the UK, they're starting to trial, you know, sequencing the whole genome at birth. Mm-hmm. Um
2: but there's a lot of kind of ethical and privacy kind yes. of concerns
3: you know to think about there and that um, and things like health insurance or you know life insurance mm. that yeah it's a, that's a tricky one me and, uh, and my rebuttal of what i do i would absolutely love that to happen but that's yes. just me from yeah. my very biased
2: perspective um, of, of you know of how it could be helpful with what we do yes and how much
3: quicker we perhaps get answers for children but I appreciate
2: that's just one small aspect of it. Mm. Yeah. And, um, well, we know what the director of our public health is having to weigh up and balance every day right at the moment, don't we? So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's just something that just doesn't have many answers, does it? But um,
1: No,
3: but I mean, the one positive we have taken away is that, you know, through those, uh, everyone's regular 1pm screening, everyone hears, hears the words genome sequencing Right. right now. You yes, know, every, everyone is becoming much more familiar about DNA, and so that's can only
2: be a Absolutely. Is there anything that you would like to because we've a, a lot of the times we talk on the this segment it is it is more generic, but your research just isn't. So we've had to kind of delve in and get a little bit more technical than normally what we would do. Right. Is there anything that you would like to convey? If someone is listening to this, interested in it, but didn't quite pick up sentence number four and five, you know, (laughs) because it is, it's really interesting. But there's a lot of layers and a lot of things to know. So is is there any one thing that you would like people to have finished the segment of listening to you and I talk and know, be comfortable with?
3: I guess it's um, an analogy I use quite often when I do public talks and things, but I think it's a really powerful one, is the way to think about our genomes is like a big bookcase, you know, and that all of the letters that make up all the books in that bookcase, that's our genome, and nice. that's how big it is, you know, and that genetics is really about all of those individual letters mm. in that bookcase, about looking at those and trying to understand what they're doing. You know, and, it, and, it, and across it's not just it's not health just just health it's agriculture it's you know every living thing has a
2: genome right you know, c- coral has a genome yes you know so and, and just how
3: I think how amazing it all is that we can look at these changes um, but just the complexity
2: that that informs in biology yeah it's as I've said just probably quite a few times in our talk it always blows me away um, but uh, thank you so much and thanks again everyone for listening uh, thank you again Brain Injury Awareness Top of the South um, if you want to get hold of me look up our website neurological.org.nz and Louise features like all rock stars on Google and on the University of Otago website if you've got any um, want to catch up on a little bit more about what she is researching and her lab Uh, feel free to email me with any questions you may have about today and again thank you very much for listening and thank you Louise Thanks Kelly
1: Many thanks again to our fantastic supporters at the Neurological Foundation for providing us with that interview and to our sponsors the Nelson Clinic Tune in to Heads Up playing Thursday mornings following the BBC News at 9.00